Come one, come all, step right up for the finest wisdom drawn from the greatest marketing minds in the world. Marvel at their insights on strategy and be amazed by their lessons on leadership. You can find it all here on CMO Combo. In this episode, we're joined by CMO Brady Cohen. We're back at it again on the topic of sales and marketing alignment. But forget hypotheticals and oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could all just get along? Brady is here with five clear practical steps to achieving the holy grail of revenue engines for companies. Listen on to find out exactly how to get your sales and marketing marching in step. You've probably seen the news about how short the average tenure is for CMOs. Make sure you don't just survive, but thrive with the Alliance's C-Suite Masterclass. Whether you're looking to climb the ladder or currently an experienced marketing leader, you'll find everything you need to navigate the modern C-Suite. Across four months, you'll learn from experienced executives from leading brands like Trustpilot, Slack, Samsung, and more on how to drive results, inspire teams, and secure your place at the table. Don't be another statistic about the tenure of CMOs. Instead, join the ranks of the world's greatest business leaders. Check the link in the show notes for more information. Hi, Brady. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Great, Will. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. And to talk about one of our, our favorite topics on the show, which is sales and marketing alignment. Um, it's one of those topics that's constantly coming up in the CMO Alliance community and CMO circles as a whole, maybe just across the entire marketing industry. This is a big topic of conversation. So always happy to talk about this, particularly since we're going to be going through not just sort of like the hypothetical saying, oh, we need to get them aligned and stuff like that. We're actually going to be going through some very practical steps of how to achieve that alignment, which I'm very excited about today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Like you said, it's it's something that I wouldn't say plagues every organization, but it's one it's one topic that has come up wherever I've been from a marketing perspective and something that we have to continue to work at. Definitely, definitely. Uh, speaking of where you've been, Brady, let's let's go into your background a bit, give a bit of context to the conversation that we're having today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've been in corporate marketing for about 15 years in my career. I spent some time at Goodyear, the tire manufacturer, working at headquarters, and then um, also at an insurance company called Progressive Insurance in the United States, combined for, like I said, about 15 years. And then also 10 or so years across mid-size agencies where I've been working with clients, um, focused on digital marketing and helping them evolve their marketing more to a digital first approach. Awesome. Today, a little bit just to today, currently, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No worries, no worries. I'm focused on bringing that experience to mid-sized companies and serving them from a fractional marketing leader perspective, like fractional CMO, fractional vice president of marketing. You know, these are organizations that need the experience and expertise, but may not have the, the resources or the budget to bring someone like me in full-time. Fantastic. So... I imagine from being a fractional CMO, you've got quite a bit, bit of experience with different different environments involving sales and marketing across a lot of different industries. I do, yeah. It's uh, it's been something that I've, like you said, I've seen no matter where I've been, um, and I've and I've served clients in manufacturing, I've served clients in software as a service, healthcare, I uh, higher education. And it's something that exists everywhere. I mean, a lot, you know, I'm looking forward to getting into just talking a little bit more detail about it. Definitely. Um, before we get into the the steps that we're going to go through today, Brady, let's let's give a bit of context, a bit of foundation. I'm sure this is stuff that a lot of our audience is aware of, but I think it's worth doing just to sort of frame the episode a little bit. It seems to me, from what I've seen, what I've discussed with CMOs on the show, that everyone seems to be in agreement that sales and marketing needs to be aligned. 
why aren't we there yet? Why is it still such a challenge? Like marketing and sales have existed as a concept for hundreds of years now, and yet we still can't seem to get them aligned. So what, what's going on, Brady? What do you think are some of the root causes of this? Yeah, I would say, well, it comes back to a few things. It's never going to be the same thing every time. And you know, in some cases, it might be more of one versus another. But some of the common root causes I've experienced are you have people that are doing their jobs on a day-to-day basis that just aren't talking to each other. Um, so imagine you're in sales and you're out in the field, or maybe you're an inside salesperson, regardless. You're very focused on what you have to do that day or that week or that month, and you're focused on a number. And on the other side of the spectrum, there's marketing, and they may not be talking to the sales team saying, what do you need? How are things going? What kind of feedback are you getting from customers or prospective customers? So there's there's that lack of communication, which ultimately I think is a, um, a factor or a function of lack of a, a relationship you know, and, and the relationships are things that need to be intentional. So if we're not intentionally coming to the table, so to speak, as marketers and salespeople and having conversations, we're missing, the, we're missing these relationships. And we're just going off and doing our own thing. And we don't have an appreciation for what the other party's doing. So when it boils up down to, you know, what, why are there no relationships? Well, maybe somebody needs to step up and you know, say, we need to make this more intentional. Maybe there's a new leader in the organization and that just hasn't materialized. Maybe there was bad blood between sales and marketing. There's so many things I've seen, you know, let's, let's clear the air. Let's, you know, and we'll get into some of the details of how to do this, but ultimately I think comes down to establishing a really solid working relationship and understanding and appreciating the other, the other side of the equation. Definitely, definitely. That that relationship, that communication, particularly having it be two-way communication, it's going to be a benefit both to the sales department and the marketing department. A rising tide raises all boats at the end of the day. Agree. So, Brady, we've been promising it. Let's let's dig into these five steps. Let's let's start at the top, shall we? Um, I think you mentioned something you're going to be talking about already, which is that communication. But let's let's dig into your steps in a bit of detail. Let's start at the top. So what's what's number one on practical steps to align yeah. sales and marketing? Number one is uh, we really want to be, people want to be understood. They want to be heard, right? Like imagine if I just came in and said, I'm going to start doing all this great marketing, but I didn't sit down and understand the customer or understand the sales team or the buying process and cycle. So it's really understanding one another. Um, It starts with an open conversation. What's working? What's not working? Um, You know, it's not an us versus them thing where you want to, you we want, I would want to encourage the listeners that are um, tuning in and, and, and listening to say, how can we set up a conversation between sales and marketing so that it's not defensive? Let's have a safe conversation. We're not criticizing. Or if, if there is a criticism, it's not taken personally. So where does that start? How do you do that? Because that's not easy to do. It starts with the leaders. It, it has to start with the individuals that are running these teams. You know, So go to the head of sales and the head of marketing. If, it's, if that person's the same individual, then there's probably someone underneath that individual that's running sales and one another one that's running marketing. Bring those parties together, just at that level, a very small group of two, three people, and have an open dialogue and you know, frame it up to say, 
we need to improve the relationship. You know, help. Let's help each other just understand one another better. What's working when we talk about what's working? Like, is marketing supporting sales the way that it should be? And if not, why? And what what could we be doing better? And let's air it all out. You know, get all the cards on the table. Um, once that's done, I think the leaders need to really sit down and say, okay, we've we've now sat and understood each other. Maybe this is more than you know one conversation, and maybe it goes into multiple conversations. That's fine too. But ultimately, you've got to get some action. We have to start writing things down, uh, like what are our goals? You know, after we've aired everything out. We, re- we start to realize, okay, we need to talk to each other more. We need to share more data. We need to get out and see the customer more, whatever it is. Let's write down some goals. One of the goals could be, let's expand this conversation from leadership to a broader segment or, or the entire marketing and sales organization, or a subset that we could pilot something with and see what works, right? Because every organization is a little bit different. So maybe you pick a certain group of marketers and a certain group of salespeople and get them together. So I think it's up to the leaders to really write those goals down and specify what the action items are going to be and be good listeners. You know, don't, again, don't get defensive, be open-minded about what you could be doing better. And that's the whole point. We want to get better. And just by showing up to these conversations, it's a step in the right direction. Definitely. And I think in the current business climate, Brady, particularly with so many people working in remote or hybrid situations, not often co-located these teams anymore. Yeah. Often these kinds of conversations can be the first time you've had a frank conversation with someone in a different department about this kind of things. Like you might like give updates on Slack about things or on your like workplace management, process management kind of system. But you don't have to have time to really talk about like, what are your priorities? As you were saying at the, at the beginning of the episode, the salesperson will have very different workplace priorities to a marketing person. And it's up to both to recognize that in order to be able to support each other to achieve those priorities. If you don't know what those priorities are, you can't support each other at the end of the day. And that's a great point, you know, and to build on it too, is we're all, we all work for the same organization. While we may be in different departments or however you want to call them, groups, we are, we're all doing the same thing, which is ultimately we want to grow our businesses and keep our businesses healthy or our organization. If it's not a business, whatever, whatever type of organization you may be in, there's a revenue function, a marketing function. And if we frame it and think about it that way, it tends to change the way the conversation goes because we're ultimately trying to serve that greater purpose of growing and improving our organization. Definitely, definitely. So that's that's step one. The maybe grievance is the wrong word, but airing of the grievances. Let's put it that way, shall we? For now. Um, so where where do we go from there? Uh, what are the next steps, Brady? Well, coming out of there, I would say you know before we even step off that, make sure you come out of there. If you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, I'm going to do this, make sure you come out of there with actionable steps. And some of those steps are going to be different from one organization to another. One of those steps that I have found that works well in order to keep the momentum going is embedding team members in the other group. So I talked about momentum a second ago. I was I was on a bike ride yesterday thinking about this. I was I was going up a hill and I had to slow down because a squirrel ran in in front of me and I lost my momentum and it was really hard. 
to get going again because I was going up the hill. But, you know, had I had that squirrel not come in front of me, I would have kept going. And my point here is you've just done a lot of work to grease the wheels and get some momentum. You've got to keep it going. So, you know, don't stop at the end of that meeting and say, okay, we've just aired the grievances. Write down the action items. One of those things, again, is embedding team members. So how does that look? Well, my experience, I'll take Goodyear as an example to give you an anecdote. I was embedded as a marketer within the sales organization. My role lived in marketing. I reported to marketing, but I had a dotted line, a matrix type report to somebody that was part of the sales organization. What it allowed me to do was build relationships that I probably otherwise would not have built with sales teams. And the work that I was doing was for the retailers. It was mostly you know, geared towards working with our retail customers to help them use our brand. And by being close to the sales team and having access to customers, it enabled me to have a different appreciation for what the sales team goes through on a day-to-day basis. Um, and just it, it, it framed my thinking much differently than if I was trying to guess at what they were thinking. Because I was part of their team. You know, we were we were one. So the, the the nice thing there too, beyond just seeing those things, is I can come, I was able to come to those meetings with here's the latest things that we're working on in marketing. Here are the things that we're, you know, planning to bring to market in the next three months, six months, and we can get feedback before we put things, you know, into code or you know, built landing pages or crafted emails. And we can answer questions of why we're doing it. And then the sales team could share the same thing. Here's what we're doing from a sales perspective and how we're, you know, we're seeing some softness in the market over here, which I could take back to the marketing team and relay that information to say, hey, look, you know, this is not something we anticipated, but we, we do need to help the sales team shore up some things, you know, to make some improvements that we weren't anticipating. So you, you, use these, you use these conversations, these meetings to improve the flow of communication and going back to that momentum. What you start to see is some excitement and you start to see like people feel like they're you know, being continued to be heard. You're getting resolution to challenges more quickly. Um, and just generally speaking, I think it builds better bonds between sales and marketing. It's really simple. Definitely, definitely. I could see that camaraderie building through this process. So when you're talking about embedding people within the sales team, are they are you expecting them to be sort of active participants in sales calls and stuff like that? Or is it more of sort of a shadowing kind of idea? Like what how do you see it as best working out? I think it could go a number of ways. Um, I'll just speak from my experience. When I first joined Goodyear, I went to many sales calls with our sales team. You know, first I met with salespeople from Goodyear to understand what their day-to-day would look like. But then I literally went out in the field with the sales team, visited with customers. It was a bit of shadowing, but then I also had an agenda of questions that I wanted to ask. So we strategically chose specific customers that were going to be Sometimes I came out, honestly, Will, with like a lot of bruises. It was like, <laughs> I, I knew going in, it was going to be a tough conversation because they felt like they had a lot to, the, the, the dealer, the customer had a lot to air, air because they wanted somebody from headquarters to hear it. But it, was, it, it served a good purpose and I learned through that process. And just my being there from what I heard firsthand was very valuable. But the other value that came out of it I would say is 
the customer felt heard. You know, we went going back to the beginning part of the conversation. The sales team wants to be heard. The marketing team wants to be heard. Customers want to be heard too. And when it's not just a salesperson that they're talking to, but somebody from marketing or a product person or an executive comes to their business, they feel important and they feel like they're being heard. Now you still have to take action on that. You can't just like let it fall on deaf ears, but it was physically going out in the field. And if you don't have the resources to do that, I understand you can do that over zoom. You can do it on a phone call. There's a number of different ways you can do it, but yeah, to your point, shadowing and getting out and, meeting customers is critical. Definitely, definitely. And does this apply to everyone within the marketing function? Do you think it's a benefit to everyone who sits under the marketing department or are there specific types of marketers that you think it'd be more beneficial? Like, are we going to be sending off like the design team to shadow the sales team, for example, that kind of thing? I think there's ways to do it where you can capture sound bites um, and bring that information back without having to send everybody out. Cause I think that would get you know inefficient. Yeah. I do think it's good training for new people that are coming in at some level, you know, to the extent that an organization is able to do this, make sure that your new hires in marketing get out into the field or meet with salespeople and talk to customers. Um, even if it's on a limited basis, one of the things I did um, to your point, because it, it's, it is difficult to get everybody out. You know, that would be, that might be counterproductive, so I filmed some of the interviews. I went and sat with our dealers and I brought uh, a video camera and interviewed people. And then I, I edited those interviews and brought those back to share, you know, this was direct from the customer's mouth. You know, this is what they're thinking of Goodyear. And I played those, I brought a meeting together and I played those, you know, and shared my learnings. And it was, it was good to have a mix of not just what I heard, but letting people hear directly from the customer. Now the downside is they weren't there to like ask questions back to the customer, but they got the vibe, they got the feel from it. And I would say, you know, we have to flip this too. And remember sales needs to come to marketing too. So if there's marketing meetings, somebody from sales should be there and should be sharing what they're hearing. And, you know, it, it's, it's a, a regular flow of information. Definitely. Definitely. It's that, it's that two way feedback loop that we talked about earlier. Like that's incredibly important. So Brady, two steps down. Where are we at? Where are we at with the third step? Where are we going next? Well, we kind of got into it. You know, it's you know, marketers getting out and visiting with customers and prospects. So I'll I'll, I'll just frame it up in brief so that people understand what I'm saying. You know, it's it's if you're not doing it already, get out, spend time in the field with customers, with prospects. Um, if you can't do that, listen to sales calls. You know, get recordings of calls and just listen, not to criticize your salespeople, but Listen and understand what what are the objections that they're hearing? What can we do with those objections so that we could maybe rewrite copy or provide different sales enablement materials for our sales teams? Or maybe there's enhancements we can make to our product or changing a guarantee. Um, if you can physically get out, if depending on the nature of your business, get out and meet with customers, kind of ride along, that's huge just because of the physical presence of being there. And again, I understand that not possible in every situation and be strategic about it, you know, call or visit the strategic large customers. You know, you really want to get their perspectives about the brand, about the product, the service that you provide so that you can bring that back with that deep understanding. Um, you know, you, you'll be surprised. You'll, they'll tell you about the competition. They'll say, I, I remember at Goodyear, they would tell me about our competition. Sometimes they would hand me the competition's marketing materials <laughs> or give me 
give me like stuff that they really shouldn't have been giving me. And I would say, I can't take that. Um, but you'd be surprised what you would learn things that you weren't aware of. Like, for example, we put a, a, a minimum advertised price policy and it was a web only um, map program together. And we were the first ones to do it uh, in the industry. Once we did it, our competitors followed suit and then our, our customers were wanting to share that with us. And again, we couldn't take it, but just by being in there having these conversations, you get exposed to information and, and you learn so much that you can bring back and, and use to your advantage. Definitely, definitely. And even aside from the discussion around sales and marketing alignment, I think this is a very, very important exercise for marketers in general, just to see sort of the fruits of your labor. It's a very good motivational thing to see sort of the end result of your marketing efforts when in this digital first world we live in, especially if you're in a world where it's all digital products, you might not even see the product you're selling or marketing even at all. Um, so I think, yeah, being able to see the end result of the process, I think is very, very important for marketers for sure. Yeah. One of the, if you, if you want to like a cold bucket of water thrown on your head, one of the things you might experience that I did too was, you know, we worked very hard on marketing campaigns to launch new products, or we thought we were being really innovative. And then we would go out and talk to a, a dealer or a customer and they would say, I don't really know what you're talking about. How could you have missed that announcement? How could you have, you know, or they would say, oh, that sucked. We, we, we thought that was awful. You know, you, you, they'll tell you. Sometimes you, you get, you, it's good when you hear that because you, you can't just go along thinking that everything's great. You have to hear the wins and the losses. And then you start to dig in and understand, well, why didn't it work well? You know, why did we fall down and learn from that? So the next time it goes across better. Definitely. And it gets more into the nuance as well. If you're relying just on sort of like social media buzz or testimonials or online reviews from users and stuff like that, those tend to be at the very extreme end of the scale. They're either had an absolutely amazing experience or they've had an absolutely awful experience, but you don't get to hear much about the in-between, like what could we improve slightly? What could we stop doing that's annoying you? That kind of thing. And having those one-to-one -one conversations is really, really important. And it's going to be a big benefit to the sales team as well, because you're not setting them up for failure by having a, a potential customer or lead who's already slightly annoyed by your marketing, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And I think sometimes the, the questions that a marketer might ask might be different than what a salesperson mm -hmm. might think to ask. And it's not right or wrong. It's just we're different people and we have different perspectives. So by being able to have these conversations and dig in to ask follow-up questions to really understand deeply what, what could have been better, I think it doesn't, then, then information doesn't really get lost in translation. So imagine if you're a salesperson and you're having a difficult conversation with a customer and they're telling you about the challenges that they're experiencing, depending on your attitude as a salesperson, you might be trying to just appease them and listen, but you, you're taking great notes and you're going to relay it back to the, to the marketing team, but you may not think to ask certain questions that somebody else might ask, either another salesperson or a marketer. So by being there and getting that information firsthand, you can ask different questions and get different learning. I mean, you can also bring that information firsthand versus having to play the telephone game of the salesperson heard it, they interpret it and, and distill it down to some common themes. And then they relay that to the marketing team and you lose information through that process. So I think it's again, beneficial to have that firsthand conversation. 
Definitely as well. And when it comes to those sort of challenges as well, I think it'd be really beneficial to see how a salesperson overcomes those challenges themselves. Because then you can provide the material, like the sales enablement materials to let more junior members of the sale team, new new starters, onboarding process and stuff, have that involved and have a script ready for when those kinds of occurrences happen again, which if you weren't involved on the call, if you weren't there, the salesperson might just say, oh yeah, yeah, we had a few problems, but we got over it. Whereas like, if you're there, you'll have seen like the different like pain points the customer's bringing up and how the salesperson overcame those pain points. Yeah, I agree. And you know, you, I've, I've heard things in those conversations where I've, I've abandoned projects. Like I've, I've learned from, you know, and just feeding information to our customers, like, in a, in a confidential manner, like we'd be working on things at Goodyear that we didn't want to make publicly known, but we would tease some of these ideas to say, here's something that we're working on. It's three to six months out. We think it's going to be a better experience for you and for the consumer. And you'd get feedback saying, don't waste your time. You know, we've tried that. And then they're, they're going to give you, they're in the trenches every day, right? Like the, the dealer in that case at Goodyear, they're in the trenches, the salespeople are in the trenches and they know what works and what doesn't work. So they're going to say, don't waste your time. And why I think that's important is I could invest hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in an initiative and time, put it into market and it falls flat and we don't know why. Instead, you know, sometimes these conversations are going to put a stop to, you know, wasted marketing dollars and initiatives where, you know, if you just stop and listen and, you know, it's market research in a way, right? Like, would you find value if we did this? Or we're thinking about doing this. Does this sound like it could improve your business? And, and getting just good feedback, direct feedback and having the open line of communication is critical. Definitely, definitely. So three steps down two to go. Where are we going next, Brady? Well, we talked about momentum and embedding teams and being out in the field. You know, let's, let's say you, you implement some of those things. Let's fast forward, you know, three months, six months into this process. We need to continue to share information. I think it's critical that wins and losses need to be communicated. And by that, let's take some examples. Let's, let's say we rolled out some new sales enablement materials or new landing pages, whatever it may be. Let's find out how they're working. And by finding out, I want marketing to come to the conversation with data of sales and conversion rates or landing page visits and form fills, whatever those behaviors are. And then sales should come and bring feedback of, you know, here's what I'm hearing anecdotally, what's working, what's not working. People don't like filling out this form or we need to make this part easier. What you're gonna start to see then is, you know, a blending of perspectives. Like marketers might come saying, hey, we have this really great conversion rate, but sales might come saying, I don't really think it's a great conversion rate because the leads we're getting are garbage. You know, but if we're not talking about these things, we're going back to where we were before all this started. The point is to keep that momentum going, keep that conversation going. So put intentional processes in place to share information that could be in those meetings where if like maybe there's a weekly or monthly sales meeting, marketing is coming and sharing, and then the opposite's happening with sales within marketing. Or uh, I can give you other examples of when, again, going back to my good year, I'll just keep, keep going on that pit, um, friend uh, or theme. 
when I was at Goodyear, we would get reports where the sales team loaded all of their sales notes into a CRM system. And then those were summarized by um, somebody in sales operations who would share out a report once a week. And so you can keep your finger on the pulse of like getting true feedback anecdotes from the sales team, which were coming directly from the customer. And I made sure that I was reading those every week to hear what was going on. So if we had a new promotion running, I wanted to know how the promotion was going. If we launched a new um, product, I wanted to hear, you know, how were sales going? What were the customers saying about it? Did they like it, dislike it? Is it too complicated to sell? Is the price right? Is the rebate and the promotion right? And if you're not reading that information, first, if you're not getting the information, you don't even know that this exists. But if you're getting it and not reading it, kind of shame on you. I know we're busy, but that's really important market intelligence. So get that information to the extent that it's available within your organization and share information that you have as a marketer with sales and other groups to help them um, you know, keep that dialogue going and share the wins and losses. Definitely. And I think that's especially important if you're, say, in an industry that's got a very, very long buying cycle. Um, if you're in something that can take 10 months plus to secure a deal, knowing the sales team needs to know what kind of materials that a prospect is engaging with, like how far along the lead is in terms of the funnel. Marketing needs to know what is happening at the end of that process. Like, is it actually paying off? Where are things going? Where do they need to go afterwards as well in terms of upselling, onboarding, all that stuff, especially if your marketing department is in charge of something like customer success. You need to know what the lead and what the the new customer is geared up and ready for as well. So that that process is incredibly important, I think. Yeah, definitely that shared information. Yeah, and we're sitting on just troves of data. I know, you know, everything, like you said earlier, is digital. We can measure everything doesn't mean we should measure everything. <laughs> you know, let's focus in on what are those key metrics and, and use that to help tell a story of how things are working or not working and just be open and honest about it and be, be willing to hear from yeah. the other party that things are working or not so that you can make adjustments. Definitely, definitely. And when it comes to sort of telling that story as well, I think what you said about not testing everything, that's a good point because a, a lot of times I feel like the disconnect between marketing and sales is because Marketers care about things that salespeople don't necessarily care about. We we hear a lot about vanity metrics in marketing, and it is nice to see those figures go up that you care about, but you can't expect the sales team to care about. They want to see the data that is going to impact their eventual role within this process. So they don't really care about, well, they might care about engagement rates to some extent, but what they want to know is how much is that engagement rate going to affect their ability to secure deals. And that's what's going to be important in this kind of sharing information it's sharing the right kinds of information i think is the most important thing yeah I, I think that's a great point and if if anybody that's listening is wondering well what what should we focus on i can't sit here and answer that question every organization is different i would say you need to go through an exercise if you haven't recently or maybe through this process to sit down as you're you know as you're outlining action items to distill down to what are the key metrics that you as an organization care about and from a joint perspective, not just from a marketer's perspective or sales, but like, what are those numbers? What are those behaviors that you're looking for together? You can still measure other things that are, um, I guess, directional or, you know, going to give you some diagnostics, 
but ultimately is, is, is probably a conversion rate or a cost per sale or um, the value of a sale. Like at Progressive, we were constantly wanting to get more preferred type risks. You know, the, the company had been known for writing a lot of high risk, non-standard um, insurance risks, car, you know, auto, mm-hmm. car insurance, auto, auto insurance. So knowing that we wanted to go higher up into preferred, that became a metric. You know, we, we would look at the mix of business that we were selling and continue to focus on how can we shift more to a preferred customer. And that drove the types of marketing that we did, the where we placed our media, what type of messaging we placed, how we positioned the brand. And that that was how sales and marketing you know, really came together was how can we get more of that preferred mix. And I feel like you know that was an, that was one example of a place where they had a really good alignment and, and understanding. But Will, I've worked in organizations that were 15 people that we would have, and these were agencies where we would do a campaign for a client and we were, we were doing all of the, the design work, the landing pages, the emails, the ad copy, we were doing the media and we, you know, end to end, we had all the data and we still were not sharing the, the data, even within that 15-person company. I would find at times the, the copywriters, the designers, they would say, we never heard how that campaign went. And it was just because we were so busy with, we were a small shop and wearing a lot of hats. I'm not making excuses, but we didn't take the time to do a recap and say, this is what we did, what we learned. I think companies have gotten better, especially agencies, because they like to write, write case studies. And, I, and a lot of sales teams like case studies too. So by you know, taking the time to pause, maybe you just do it over lunch one day. You say, we're going we're gonna to go back, we're going to take a look at the data. What did we do? What did we learn? And how can we use this to you know, be better in the future? It's, it's something, again, that's it's in every organization, no matter how big or small. There's always opportunities to improve the communication. Definitely, definitely. I think as well, not it doesn't just make business sense, but I think it makes a lot of sense for the well-being of employees as well. Like if you're just constantly nose the grindstone, you're not taking the time to take a breath and say, that project's done. How has it gone? How can we do better? You are just going to keep doing the same thing constantly and not feel like there's any kind of success or stages to what you're doing. You're just, yeah, doing the same thing every day and it becomes monotonous. It becomes the same all the time. Whereas taking the time to take a breath take a step back and look at the work that you've done. It's really, really gratifying, whether it's something that's successful or unsuccessful, there's something to be learned from both. And I think it is a big benefit for employees to be able to have that time and that space to be able to really take perspective over the work that they're doing. Yeah, the key word I would say too is learning. You know, Many of those individuals, they would say, I just want to know if it worked or didn't work so that I could make a better landing page or write a better email. That was that simple. They, they want to learn. They want to grow. They want to do better for their customer. Definitely, definitely. So we've had four steps now, Brady. There's one to go. Let, let's make it a good one at the end. Like, how do we wrap things up with these five, with these four steps so far? Well, I think it's 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 more of a culmination of you know what are we, how are we going to keep this going, right? So we talked about momentum, and I, I keep going back to that 
that bike ride I was on yesterday and I had to slow down and you're going to have to slow down at times. And, but you, you've got to find ways to keep the momentum going because these are things that, you know, it's really easy for organizations to say, Oh, we're going to do this. And it's going to make such a big difference. And, and then a few months later, it's kind of, you know, people aren't going to the meetings because they're too busy or they're double booked and we're not sharing information. It has to come from the top down and you have to keep rinsing and repeating. So, don't, don't, as an organization, especially as a leader, don't say, oh, I'm going to do this. We're going to have this powwow with sales and marketing, and then we're going to put some action items in place. Don't take it as like a set it and forget it. You have to be intentional as a leader to make sure that that momentum is still there. And you're going to quickly lose trust and lose the um, credibility from your, your team if you don't do this. because. I think what happens is we, you know, we get excited about these things and then we don't follow through. Eventually, from a leadership perspective, your teams start going to are going to start to wonder like, why are you having me do these things? So, be the leader that demonstrates through behavior that this matters. Keep sharing information, keep talking about it, and make sure that your teams are continuing to be in those embedded meetings, visiting with, you know, marketing, visiting with customers, whatever, you, whatever those action items are, make sure that you're following through because it's going to demonstrate to your teams that this is really important. It's not just a one-time thing and, you know, we're going to put a bandaid on something. This is a different way of thinking and approaching how we work together. Definitely. Definitely. It's not just a, a one and done process. This is an ongoing sea change throughout the entire organization. I think one of the best ways to sort of maintain that momentum is um, to make sure there are multiple stakeholders who have vested interest in it. If you're just the one person, it might be seen as just like a little pet project. To, to continue your story around the the, uh, the bike ride, my father was very into cycling. We watched the Tour de France all the time. And the best way that they maintain momentum uh, when they're doing the hill stages is to have a team around. You have the peloton, you have the person, the climber at the front who's breaking up the air resistance behind them for the people behind them so they can make it a bit easier. So by sharing this, what can be quite a complicated process, by having multiple people involved with it, multiple people who have a vested interest in it, you're more likely to maintain that momentum because there are other people who can pick up the baton when you have to let it drop for a little bit, when you have to let the momentum slide. There's another person who can go into place and be the climber at the front of the peloton. That's a really great analogy. Yeah, and, and I, I think... Um... Building on that, you you have to recognize that, like you said, there are going to be times that you you know maybe somebody can't be at a meeting. Delegate it. So, Will, if you are the person from marketing that's going to the sales meeting every month, and for some reason maybe you're on vacation or you're at a conference, don't just let it go. Delegate it. Send somebody else to that meeting. That's to your example of you know sending somebody to the front, and let them experience that. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to broaden the relationship because it's not just now a relationship of will from marketing with sales. It's Brady. I'm going to that meeting. And now I get to meet some new people that maybe I've never met before, or they've never heard my perspective. And so we're building new relationships and getting a greater appreciation for each other. The relationships are going to take time to build. You know, this isn't going to happen overnight. You're going to build trust through these consistent behaviors, sharing information, being open about it, not trying to hide things. Um, even if you think, hey, that campaign didn't work really well, I don't want to share the data, share it. You've got to tell them that otherwise you're not building trust. 
So show through vulnerability, show through consistent behaviors, do a quarterly get together. You know, like I, we talked at the beginning about having big powwow quarterly or if quarterly is too often for you, at least do it twice a year where you're getting that core team together to say, how's this going? What kind of adjustments do we need to make? Do we want to get more people involved? Should we be training different? But make it a concerted effort. Excellent. So thank you very much, Brady. I think these steps make a thousand percent worth of sense right there. Like it, it, it's, it's, yeah, I'm particularly be interested to start joining my our sales team at the CMO Alliance on calls and stuff like that. I'm definitely going to be recommending that to them. Um, let's wrap things together. Let's go. Through, let's just go through a quick summary of the five steps again, Brady, just so we've got them for our, our listeners. Absolutely. So number one is really seek to understand each other. That's that first conversation that should build to an action item that builds to a broader conversation that informs how you're going to proceed. So seeking to understand is number one. Number two is the concept of action. And one example we talked about from an action perspective was embedding a team member from sales and marketing and marketing and sales. They're not there every day, but weekly, monthly, you know, being involved in calls uh, or meetings, um, and, you know, adding Slack channels if need be, whatever that looks like for your organization. It's about opening up that communication and being present. Number three is getting out and visiting with customers. So if you're a, if you're a marketer, it's about meeting with your sales team, determining who you want to visit with, what's your agenda, what do you want to learn, what are you trying to get out of it? And what, what value are you going to bring to that conversation? You know, maybe it's just your presence. Maybe it's to let the customer vent and tell you what they like or dislike about what you're doing. Whatever it is, have an agenda and be strategic about it, but make it a concerted effort. Um, again, not everybody on the marketing team may be able to go visit. So bring back anecdotes. If you can record conversations somehow or do note taking, whatever it is, bring that information back. Four is sharing wins and losses, go both, both directions, making sure that there's communication so that sales understands what's going on in marketing, what's working, what's not, and vice versa. And then the last is this concept of maintaining momentum. I, I'm calling it rinsing and repeating. Don't set it and forget it, make it a concerted effort where the leadership of sales and the leadership of marketing are talking, communicating, making sure the teams are continuing to follow these practices. Maybe it's not exactly, doesn't look exactly the way it was originally prescribed because you found a better way to do this, but continuing the effort, you know, don't just let it die. Don't do it for a quarter and forget about it. Make sure you keep it going. Excellent. Thank you very much, Brady. This has been great. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think these steps are going to have a big impact on organizations that aren't doing processes like these already, and also might help people who might or might have started off this process get back into it re-engage with it as you said like you can let these things fall by the wayside all too easily so yeah it's always worthwhile trying to pick up these processes again so thank you very much for your time today brady thank you will it's a pleasure speaking with you it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart and I'm, I'm thrilled to you know be able to share some of what i've learned along the way hoping that it helps others along their journey fantastic fantastic thank you brady and yeah as i said at the top of the show this i know this topic is near and dear to the hearts of many of our listeners as well so i'm sure they appreciate your time brady thank you very much to our listeners uh, we're going to be back soon with some more cmo combos like what you heard from this cmo combo make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was